a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So you are dating this great person and you are totally sexually attracted to them, but are a bit confused on when exactly to allow physical intimacy, especially as you are getting to know them. And there are all of these rules out there, right? Like when to have sex. But the truth is, and this is my belief, is that there really isn't a magic number. Each person, each connection is different and each circumstance is different. But the one thing that is important and I think is should be a common ground is to have healthy sexual boundaries and not use sex to seek validation or or lock it in, right? Or land the deal, as they say. Healthy sexual boundaries are the guidelines and limits the individual set for themselves in order to maintain emotional, physical, and psychological safety when engaging in sexual activities with someone. And these boundaries are important because They help to ensure that both people feel respected, they feel safe, comfortable with a level of sexual intimacy being shared. And again, that's different for each person and healthy sexual boundaries are unique and it can change over time. The key is to communicate openly and honestly with each other, especially as you're getting to know each other when you're first dating them. And then obviously in a relationship, you're going to keep communicating that and what feels safe and comfortable for you. It's also important to understand how sex might be falsely used to create emotional intimacy. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I remember there was a client I was working with. um, And one of the things that she came to me for is that, you know, she had no problem attracting men, but it was always the wrong men. And it was guys that ended up taking advantage of her, narcissists or fixer-uppers. I mean, you name it. It was kind of the same guy in a different costume. And what we really unveiled in our working together is that when she would meet these guys, it would also it would often get really hot and heavy fast. It was like the, I would call them like tornado interactions, right? And then she would be the tornado would happen. It would be highly sexually charged, and she would feel amazing. And she thought that this would be the one, only to her dismay that he would end up leaving her. You know, after the tornado happened, she was left with the remnants around her and be like, "Oh my God, what happened?" And she admitted to me that she also grew up in a family system where feelings weren't expressed. And what she didn't realize is that she was using sexual interaction to feel. And this was a big surprise for her. And she also had a really hard time setting boundaries. And so what I was teaching her to do is to really build more the emotional connection first before the sexual interaction. And this was a huge learning curve for her. She was not used to this. And in fact, she didn't even know how. So we did a lot of work on emotional expression, using feeling words as she was getting to know guys to to really see what guy like earned her sexual, you know, interaction. So 
in the end, it was really cool. She ended up attracting this great guy who she's never experienced this kind of interaction before. And she really, she waited to have sex with him because it was her journey. Like that was a way for her to really build something up in an emotional sense that was more intimate in that sense before she had the sex and it became that much better. And I think they're still together today. This is years ago. So, you know, all of this to say that healthy boundaries are really important and to not use sex as a way to validate yourself. And today we have a very special guest joining. Um, she specialized in healthy sexual boundaries and she'll be sharing her insights on how to cultivate healthy relationship with our sexuality and why seeking validation through sex can be determined you know, to our well-being, like it, there's, it's all intertwined. She is a sex certified sex therapist who helps clients to discover their sexual selves and deepen their intimate connections. She and her staff have helped thousands of clients with sex and relationships over the last 11 plus years of her private practice. Have oh, I revealed her name? She has appeared in the Daily Beast, Hustler magazine, and giddy for her expertise in sexuality and is a sex and relationship pro for the peanut app. I don't know what that is, which serves over 2.5 million women. Oh my gosh. Across all stages of life. But more important, she's also from Chicago. So I love her. <laughs> Heather Shannon, are you there? I'm here. Thank you Hi. so much for having me, Kimmy. Excited to be here. I know. Well, we just did your podcast. You know, we're doing a little <laughs> yeah. podcast swap. Yes. Double header. Yeah. And like, I could like keep going on and on with you. So I was excited <laughs> that like now we're going to continue the conversation, but in your cool. area of expertise and um, I just, I love what you're doing so much. And you and I had a conversation earlier about like, there's, there's so many people who have different issues around sex. I don't think mm -hmm. it's talked about enough nope. in ways of how that shows up, even just in the beginning stages of getting to know people. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm super excited about this. Well, like, like your podcast, I, I'm so interested in your story because I really don't know your story. So please I know share. we purposely didn't share it until we were recording. Good, good. I'm yeah. so glad. The big reveal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I came uh, in a very roundabout way to being a sex therapist. Um, my undergrad is in finance. So there's really? That. Yeah. I love that segue. I'm fascinated. Okay, keep going. Yeah, so I did that. I was a market research analyst, wound up going back to grad school. I kind of just was at a point where I'm like, I know I don't mind working hard, but I just want to care about what I'm doing and, mm. you know, to be more mission driven with that. So I went to grad school, wound up being a school counselor for six years. And I actually loved working with students, but just kind of discovered like the bureaucracy was not my jam and started a private practice with one of my friends from grad school. And it was kind of through the private practice, and I think along with some of the things happening in my personal life at like a similar time, they kind of pushed me in this direction. So I had a couple clients who were just like amazing and like vulnerable and just going there with like, you know, the overlap of, you know, addiction and sexual trauma and exploring gender identity and cross-dressing and um, sexual orientation and, you know, all of the things. And it was just very impactful for me to realize that this is not 
a superficial thing. We mentioned that earlier too. Sex is not a superficial thing. It's, you know, these traumatic experiences really linger. They can impact how we see ourselves, how we see others, our relationship quality overall, and having, you know, fantasies that feel shameful or feeling shameful about your gender identity or your sexual orientation impacts everything and can like drive you to addiction and drive you to, you know, depression or suicidal ideation. And so realizing, wow, this is like really big stuff and there's not a lot of safe spaces and I'm like super non-judgmental in these areas and it's, you know, and it's interesting and important work. So that really kind of got me going. And then I had a breakup of a longer term relationship and also was kind of like, you know, (laughs) now that I'm single, (laughs) there's some things I would like to explore as well. Um, So I did some of my own exploring. And so I think just realizing that there's so many things we're not taught. If you want to learn about sex, you really have to seek out the right educators, the right teachers. Um, You know, there's also a lot of, uh, it's a pretty like uncredentialed, unregulated field, but it's something so impactful and personal and intimate. So I liked the idea of being somebody who had sort of a credentialed background that people could feel comfortable with, but then still get into these topics and and help resource them. So yeah, here I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And thank God you're here. Um, Thank you. Yeah. so I, I didn't know that you had a personal journey with it. Oh, too. yeah. So like, mm-hmm. were you always a master communicator in the bedroom and like always no, had healthy oh boundaries? <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. No. Um, right. So I grew up because we talked about how we were both good girls from Chicago. Yes. So I grew up very much in this like kind of good girl mentality. Mm-hmm. And whereas like most teenagers have the idea like, you know, whatever, I'm just going to have sex and who cares about using condoms? Like, it's not going to happen to me. I was the kid that was like, oh, I'm definitely the one getting pregnant. I'm definitely the one getting an STI. For sure, everyone else will get away with it. I will not get away with it. So that was like my belief system. (laughs) I totally get it. Yes. (laughs) A little anxious, running a little anxious there. Um, And it also just kind of the goody-goody thing. And I was raised Catholic and, you know, went to Sunday school and even like taught Sunday school a little bit when I was in high Mm. school. And I wasn't in a very, you know, like super strict fundamentalist, you know, religious environment, but there was very much still the message that like sex is a sin before marriage. It's only when you're married. But then at the same time, I kind of knew that like 98% of the people in the church didn't wait for marriage. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is confusing, you know, and then I feel like sex is kind of used to sell things, but there was this real like discomfort with you know, my body and like going through puberty and like all of those things. So I very much grew up feeling like uncomfortable in my body or even being seen sexually. Um, I know you mentioned with your personal story with like your makeover and everything that there was sort of a, oh, people are looking at me now. And I definitely had some of that too. Like I didn't quite know how to deal with like unwanted attention. and. um Yeah. So I think having that background, I didn't have sex till I was 24. Mm. So I, not that that's like, oh my God, so late. Right. But because I had all these fears and because there was sort of some discomfort, I think even like being flirty. And it's interesting because now I know I'm a flirty person, but like (laughs) that was not always the case. And so looking back, 
Um, I really took myself out of the game, you know, I had like pre-decided no one's going to want to flirt with me, you know, and didn't feel good in my body. And, um, I, I think through, cause you know, we've talked about working from the outside in through having some dating experiences mm-hmm. and realizing, oh, people do think I'm cute. You know, most of these guys want to see me for a second date. Like, okay. So I had to kind of reconceptualize myself And then, you know, eventually had the more serious relationship and, you know, along the way, just kind of realized there's a lot to explore. And I think living in Chicago, um, it was a little bit less sheltered maybe than the suburbs where I grew up and just exposed to different types of people and just got curious. So I think it was a matter for me of like following the curiosity gradually Mm -hmm. um, and finding, you know, the right people to explore with. I love that. There's there's so many things I want to ask you. Wait, you <laughs> yeah, were just go saying, for it. Whatever. So many. Well, because you you touched on a lot of important points that mm-hmm. was embedded in some of what you were sharing, and one of the things that came to me, and I see this with my clients too, is that there's so much like shame yeah. attached to sex, and depending on the age that you were. Also, like, I feel mm-hmm. like there's different nuances with sex, depending mm-hmm. on how old you are and the generation mm-hmm. that you grew up in. And then there's the cultural differences, too, yeah. you know. And so I, I think it's almost like the healthy boundary thing is interesting with all of that because mm-hmm. it's, you know, people think, oh, setting boundaries, saying no, but it, sometimes it's saying yes. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. And so I would love yes. for you to touch upon that because I think there's like a a calibration that gets to happen. Cause I, like I had a client the other day and she was super religious upbringing and she has mm-hmm. all this guilt, but yeah. at the end of the day, she wants like a physical sexual chemistry, yeah. but yet she's taught not to have <clears throat> sex. So like what gives, you know, right. and, and, it's, right. and, and that causes a lot of confusion in the dating world. Right. It does, you know, and I think that a lot of us do get these messages from religion, but also, you know, even if you just look around our country, like we're trying to legislate sex and love, like left, right, and center, you know? So we get those messages. Then there's like what we're taught in sex ed, which is like entirely fear-based. And so it was fun for me even getting trained to be a sex therapist, realizing oh my God, there's health benefits to orgasm. Oh my God, sex is actually really healthy for you on a physical level in like many ways that I never knew. How fascinating. Um, So I think just exposing people to both sides of it, like, yes, there are risks, like there are getting in your car every day, you know, and there are also lots of benefits. Um, So yeah, it took a while though to, um, to kind of come to that more balanced view with it. So well, because I was one, yeah, I was wondering, how do you teach healthy boundaries, like with your clients? Yeah, I mean, it depends, like you said. So I get some people coming to me who have some kind of aversion to sex. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of the working on saying yes, you know, like, what is going on with this fear? What are the negative associations? How did they get there? And so a lot of times people think, oh, you're a sex therapist. How like titillating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, sometimes. But like usually not, you know, usually it's like we're doing detective work, we're getting to the bottom of things, we're finding, you know, unresolved trauma and like deep psychological issues. So there's a lot of deep work involved. But um, yeah, so what are the aversions? Is it kind of like I have a hard time letting go of control and surrendering and feeling vulnerable or I'm uncomfortable with my genitals because that's kind of the messaging I got growing up, especially I think for women. And 
you know, or is it um, the flip side? And it's kind of like, you know, I was brought up kind of religious, but I really like sex and I'm having kind of a lot of sex, but then I'm feeling kind of guilty and shameful about it. And I don't know how to resolve this. So, you know, I've talked with people about the idea that you can be spiritual and sexual, like they don't have to be mutually exclusive, you know, and that, um, you know, I respect people's religious beliefs. I'm not like trying to impose anything on them, but it's like, is this working for you? And what is, you know, actually like a doctrine that you want to kind of buy into and what is something that maybe was made up by the humans and not even in the scriptures. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot of that too, if we're being real, right? Um, but I've also worked with people who are, um, you know, like leaving the um, Mormon church, for example, you know, so there's, I think the religious component is really interesting. And that is something that comes up a lot um, in a lot of people's journeys with boundaries. Uh, my personal thought on like what are healthy boundaries is like, do I actually want to do this? <laughs> like that's like step one, right? Because there's a lot of sort of people pleasing and like going along with things. So yes. can you tune into your own body and assess? Yes, I do want to do this. There's an attraction there. You know, I feel safe. So like kind of assessing the physical safety. And you mentioned some of this in your opening, the physical safety, the emotional safety, and I'm not to the point where, like, oh, people shouldn't have casual sex. I think you can meet a lot of these criteria mm -hmm. with casual sex. You know, it's like if this is somebody who can be a respectful, responsible adult with you and have some conversations, you know, and you're you're both going to kind of show up that way and care about each other's pleasure and check in with yourselves. Great. I think that can be super healthy. So, um I don't really have sort of, uh, and you mentioned this too with like your makeovers, like I don't really have like a one size fits all approach either. It's really like, is this working for you? I love that. And I love that you personalize it because it isn't a cookie cutter approach mm -mm. here. You know, it's like when I was talking about flirting on your podcast, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> we all have things that trip us up and they're different yeah. for everyone. And so, you know, how you proceed is so individualized. So I, I think that's really great. Are there certain phrases or like communication tricks that you teach people when they are in a situation where they have to say no or yes? Interesting. Um, are we, so are we talking about maybe like a dating situation versus mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So because I'm dating. <laughs> so like, this, is, this is something I also put into practice. That I don't just I tell it. other people to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes you could say, okay, you know what? Like, I'm really feeling this. So you want to be really clear. You're not rejecting someone if you're about to say no, mm -hmm. especially if you like them, unless you actually are rejecting them. That's a different story. But if it's kind of like, it could just be like, hey, I'm, I'm into you. I'm just like not 100% ready yet. Or, you know, let's see how it goes next time. Um, and you're not being... You're not being a tease. You're not leading anyone on. You're actually just being very direct and clear. So mm -hmm. that that's kind of my personal approach. And I find that most people take that really well, actually. Um, you know, when I express the enthusiasm yes. that the interest is there, people are like, okay, all right, well, look for it next time then, you know. And that's that's the important piece mm -hmm. is that there's some sort of indication and expression around the desire to. Yes. But yet you're still setting the boundary. I think this is where right. a lot of people have a hard time because they get so black and white with it. They're like, yeah. no, you know, but then if they say no without it being kind of fun and flirty, like there's a way yeah. of delivering it that 
doesn't have to be so heavy too. Like oh, totally. Because like know, I'm I'm a goofball. I'm very playful. So yeah, yeah I would kind of be like, okay, so this is really fun. <laughs> totally having fun with you, and, and you know, I want to make sure we're at a point where we can talk about you know if we're sleeping with other people yet. And I don't I don't know that I'm ready for that conversation. So sometimes I will give a reason too, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I see where that's coming from, or you know, whatever. Um. I also would say you don't owe anyone an explanation. You know, you can say whatever you want. But I would say, like, think about your intention with this person before you say anything. You know, like, is this someone you want to see again? You know, and if not, you could just be like, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling it. You're really nice. Just not quite in the same place with the chemistry. All the best to you. You know, and I think people respond pretty well to that. Not as well. (laughs) The first example. (laughs) But um, sometimes I will get guys that kind of want, like, an explanation. Um, kind of like, oh, well, why or what was going on, you know, um, or what could, what could I have done? You know? And I, I generally would say, don't get too into that with, (laughs) because it can turn into like a, you know, a little bit of a battle. Well, and, and I think that's where people struggle sometimes. Cause Mm -hmm. I I find that like, I've seen both extremes where people Mm -hmm. are, there's this thing called hardballing now that's happening in, in the dating world. Yeah. I, I had, gotten interviewed by Huffington Post on this phenomenon that it's called I had actually had to like look it up. Yeah. Like, I oh my God, that. people are doing this. So it's like on a first date, people are like hardballing each other and saying, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking oh. for. You in or out. And while I think that that's good to have some clarity and what you're mm-hmm. looking for, to be so hard nosed when yeah. you're first getting to know somebody, I think right. it would also be a turn off. Right. So I, I think that it's important to ex- be direct and mm-hmm. communicate that. Mm-hmm. But you can also have some fun with it, like how you were yeah. saying. You know. Yeah. I I was telling my clients the other day is like, especially women, because they might get a little masculine in the way that they mm. set a boundary. You mm-hmm. know, and it's you know even saying things like, well, good things come to those who eat, <laughs> you know, like, the, uh-huh, you know, like things yeah. like that, that are yeah. more flirty. Right. But you're still saying no. Right. You're still saying no. Right. Like I'm not ready. And right. the other thing I like what you just said is that when you say that it's usually well-received, mm-hmm. that's a good indication of a good person. Mm-hmm. If it is yes. not well-received, yes. then awesome. You dodged a bullet. 100%. And I'm not like, don't shit test people where you're like trying to like see. But I do think that's a good experience to see how does someone take a no? Yeah. Can they be mature? Is their ego strong enough? You know, do they like get really triggered and emotionally reactive? You know, like that's the red flag. 100%. Yeah. So it works either way. I love this. It does. Um, the other thing that you were mentioning when you were sharing your story is about not feeling that good in your body, like when you're yeah. on your journey. And mm-hmm. I know I went through that too. Are there certain things that you help people with so that they can embrace their body? You know, because I, yeah. I do think that trips so many people up, no yeah. matter what size, shape you are. Yeah. I think it's um it's finding the right balance, I think, of you know, where You know, like the work you do with people, I think it's all about putting your best foot forward. And I think that helps people feel better in their body. But sometimes it can become more of like an obsession or a preoccupation with being a certain weight or being a certain size or having the perfect makeup or, you know, needing, thinking you need a nose job or something. And um, so I do think it's worth noticing, like, 
again, that question, is this working for me? <laughs> you yeah, know? Because right. <laughs> um, sometimes it's not. Um, but I also think our culture is a huge culprit. So I do talk to people. There's just kind of some educational pieces I get into. Um, there was like a really interesting study in the island of Fiji where they didn't used to really have any disordered eating. And then when they imported British and American media, it was like, you know, 20 some percent of people had eating disorders within a few years. Wow. So, so it's like to realize that like what we consume mentally and emotionally has such a huge impact on how we feel in our bodies. Um, the idea that there's a right way to look like, what if we just throw that out the window? You know, yeah. <laughs> I have strong feelings about that. Cause I do think so much of it is just fabricated. Like it's all just made up different looks go in and out of fashion, different body types go in and out of fashion, which kind of proves the point that like, it's all kind of made up to begin with. Then, you know, mm. So I kind of help people understand that, take a look at, you know, what are, what are you looking at on social media? You know, are, are you following the Kardashians and everything? You're not that like the Kardashians don't have any value, but like, you know, is it all about, you know, lip filler and uh, waist trimmers and, um, you know, makeup and whatever, where it's like, that's, is that kind of most of what you're seeing or is there other stuff in there that like you look at it and it makes you feel good. And I encourage people to tune in with their body because you might be like, I feel happy looking at makeup stuff. I feel like I get to be creative. I get to feel like I put my best foot forward. Cool. Then that's for you. And you know it by how you feel in your body. Someone else might look at that and think like, oh my God, I have to spend like an hour a day. Just like go to Walmart and like look presentable. It's like, okay, then that's probably not working for you. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So that I encourage people to just pay attention to like what they're consuming and how it's making them feel. And then um, the other piece I would say is, I mean, taking care of your body, but taking care yeah. of your body, and we talked about this earlier too, letting go of outcome. So like, what if you already felt great in your body and loved yourself? What would that look like in terms of behavior? And then just do that. <laughs> I love that. I, I yeah. call that act as if, right? Yeah, like totally. Act as if until you become like, visualize yourself as that like right. hot vixen in the bedroom. and you Totally. Know, yeah. Yeah. And like even with working out, because a lot of times people will feel self-conscious when they're getting naked yeah. and stuff, um, or even just with dating. And I see this all the time with clients. They go to the gym for two weeks. They haven't lost any weight, but somehow their body image is fine now. Because <laughs> it's like the behavior, so you know, it's true. like, you're, how are you showing up for yourself? Because I think that sends a message of worth, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing something kind for yourself and you're coming from that place of a kind intention towards yourself and doing it, you feel better. Well, and the thing is, it's so true is is it really is about how you see yourself because Mm -hmm. you can shift the way others see you just by you seeing yourself differently, you know? Yeah. Um, I forgot what movie that was. I'll think of it later. Okay. It's that the female comedian, she falls off a bike and, and before this, she has trouble dating and she thinks she's ugly and over. Oh, is it Amy Schumer? Ish. She's someone like Amy Schumer. And okay. I can never remember. She's a Br- British actress. Anyway. Okay. And then she she hits her head and she comes to and all of a sudden she sees herself as this like gorgeous woman. And now mm. she's like attracting all these men and everything. So it's kind of to the point yeah. that you're talking about. Um, And 
I think that, and I just wondered if there were any visualization exercises or things that like people could do to get in that state. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of, um, thought work with people. So I use the, um, the life coach schools, self-coaching model as sort of a template. And I just usually send people directly to their website and they have like a little thing, but I'll practice with people. And the idea of it is that our thoughts create our emotions, create our behavior, creates our results. Mm. So, you know, if you're, and and I've seen this with myself and, and, and if you're struggling with this whole concept of how our thoughts ultimately create our results, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to see it in other people. <laughs> so always, like, always. Yeah. I would just say like, pick someone in your life and think about how they're creating their own reality with their shitty attitude. And like, I guarantee you, you'll understand it. <laughs> so, um, but then when we realize like, oh, what if that's just like how the world works? And so I'm creating my results too with my thoughts. So when you're not liking your results, it's an opportunity to kind of go back and figure out like, okay, like what thoughts am I having mm. that are making me feel lonely, that are making me feel not good enough, that are making me feel bad about my body, you know? And then when you start to uncover those, to at least entertain the idea, like, okay, one, this isn't working. Two, I can just pick a thought that feels better. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> or at least try, at least look for one that feels better. So I, I do get into a lot of the like law of attraction stuff with people mm-hmm. too. I so I think that. that I think that people get it. And even the people that aren't as like spiritually inclined, I just explain it as the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, what we believe happens and has a very real impact on our body. Yeah. Like if you could just imagine being the character in your own movie and just like mm-hmm. walking in a room and owning it like Jessica Rabbit, you know, and just even if you <laughs> love don't that. Like, yeah, like that's why I love the costume so much because yeah. you know, even if you just put on a costume and pretend like you're that person, eventually you will become it. But it, it yeah, it's, it's that process that you're talking about. I was also interested in what you were talking about, the whole validation piece. I mean, mm, I know you yeah. heard in my intro that I, I deal with that, but I'm curious how you teach people how to kind of more internalize themselves and their self yeah. versus yeah. using sex. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I would maybe do some thought model stuff with that, but I probably would go more so into the internal family systems. Mm-hmm. And the the gist of that is that we have, you know, different parts that kind of represent aspects of our ego, you could say. And then we have our self energy that is our higher consciousness and sort of our spiritual essence that is unaffected by trauma. And so the idea is that the more we are in the self energy, the more we are running our lives through the self energy and relating to our parts from the self energy, the better outcomes. And so when we're looking for validation outside of ourself, that means the parts are running the show. And then when we're when we're more just being like a radiant magnet of amazingness, <laughs> that's probably because our self energy is running the show and we're feeling, um, they have like eight C words of self energy to help you remember it. So it's like confident and clear and connected and creative and calm. And there's a few more, but, um, mm-hmm. like when we're really kind of centered in that way, it's kind of like good things happen. Right. So it's understanding our parts. It's, relating to the parts in a way that we're like befriending them and we're not trying to just push them away even though we might be like this part's making my life miserable it's always so anxious or it's always telling me I'm not good enough to kind of understand like well there's a reason it's doing that like so let's let's be present with this part and we do sort of a meditative you know going inward experience a lot of times 
and understand how are you experiencing this in your body, this maybe neediness that's looking for validation. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's cool. So we can sometimes get to a point where we access the trauma burden that's kind of at the heart of this defense mechanism and are able to release that and invite something new in. And so it really actually addresses it at the root, which is pretty rare. (laughs) That's so important. I I love you so much because (laughs) like we're like sisters. (laughs) No, but it's so true because everything's connected from from things that we've learned early on. And and sometimes Mm -hmm. you just don't even realize. I love the process that you're talking about because it almost sounds like it's retelling your story, but then flipping the script on your story and replacing something different, you know, with that. Yeah. which like we get to pick what story we tell. Like it's it's so powerful. Yes. Well, and with that being said, I mean, I could literally go on and on with you. Like, like, how did, wait, oh my we God. We like, for a while. Oh, yeah. um, are there any like kind of last words of wisdom that you want to share as we part today? I think just that it's worth getting to know yourself as a sexual being. You know, there's so many areas of personal growth and development that people are into these days. And I think sexuality is one that people are still missing. So do the work. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of rewards of doing the work. Yeah. I love it. And where can everyone find you? Yeah. um, So people can find me at my podcast. Um, So my podcast is called Ask a Sex Therapist. Um, And you can also uh, check out my website, which is just my name, heathershannon.co. Yeah. So heathershannon.co. No M. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's one of those. Now I know. That's why I'm like, let's make sure. Um, But yeah. So people, the first few episodes of the podcast are like a really good primer. So I think if people are like, what do I even need to know about sex? I kind of go through, here's all the common issues that I work with clients on. And here's sort of the foundational knowledge that I want people to have. Um, And it's kind of great if people have that before they come to me too, because then we can sort of do the advanced level stuff and just kind of cruise through it a little faster. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for all the work that you're doing because- Thank you. It is so important what you're doing and not enough of you. So- Yeah. I appreciate people people like you supporting that and seeing that and sharing it with your audience. So thank you. And thank you for everyone listening. Thank you. And thank you listening, joining today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you're having a hard time creating healthy boundaries with sex or even other areas of your love life, hop on a call with me so that I can help you. And just click the link you see in the show notes to schedule that. And who knows, that one call, that seriously, that 30 minute call could change the course of your entire life. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 